Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here today. And you will probably know that a couple of weeks ago, we started a new message series that we're going to be doing over the whole summer, the whole of, of July and August, and it's called Simply. And we're going to be looking at some of the things which are foundational concepts that we need to get right in our Christian faith. Because if we don't, we can go on and learn all kinds of other things about theology and about the Bible and about spirituality and about church and so on. But if our foundation is not level, if, if it's kind of off balance in some way, if there's something wrong in the foundation of our faith, then everything that we build on top of that is going to be a little bit off-center as well. And so, two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus, simply Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what He now calls us to do, to be His followers. And then last week, um, we looked at simply identity, our new identity in Christ. Because if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Their old identity has passed away and a brand new identity of who they are as a child of God and who they are in Christ Jesus uh, is, becomes our new identity. And we're going to, in future weeks, we're going to be looking at things like prayer and worship and, and, and church and community all basic concepts of the Christian faith. Now, today, we're calling this Simply Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, and we will touch on the Holy Spirit in general, but if you see down the bottom of the screen there, we're going to be speaking specifically or mostly about a topic that's discussed in the New Testament, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I've been a Christian for uh, over three decades, and um, I've been a pastor for almost three decades. And so, I, I notice, I've seen that the, uh, fashions come and fashions go in the Christian church theologically, just the way musical fashions and, and clothes fashions and hairstyles come and go in the world, you know. Sometimes there's a flavor of the month, and then it's not talked about for a long time. And one of the things that I've realized over the last few years is this topic is really neglected an awful lot in the Christian church nowadays. And I think the reason it's neglected is because it was fashionable for a while for us to be seeker sensitive and for us to kind of try and tone down anything that might be strange or off-putting to an unbeliever. And, and there's a place for that. In fact, the Bible even says that. In fact, regarding this topic, the Bible even says it. The Apostle Paul says, if an unbeliever comes in and all you're doing, everybody's speaking in tongues at the same time, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think they turned up at the madhouse. So he said, so keep that for be quietly for between yourself and God. So in other words, Paul was saying here, be a little bit seeker sensitive here. Be sensitive to the fact that some of the things that Christians are at home doing might look strange to uh, uh, outsiders. 
So like, if you invited me to your home for a meal and I arrived there and you had everything set up and clean and, and, and a nice scented candle in the background and all of that kind of stuff, that would feel normal because you had guests coming and you're trying to make a good impression. But if I arrived at your house for supper and the place was an absolute tip and you're sitting there clipping your toenails, then that would not be very welcoming. That would not be the spirit of hospitality, you know? And you might think, well, I clip, everybody clips their toenails. Yeah, but you don't do it when you have guests around. And so it's the same in the Christian church. There is a place for us being sensitive to the needs of unbelievers. We want to win them over to the cause of Christ, not scare them away. However, we want to be careful that we are not compromising and watering down the clear truth of the Word of God. And so I want to talk about this subject today, Simply Spirit, looking most particularly at the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is an experience that Christians can have when we receive the fullness of the Spirit in a way that gives us power to fully live the Christian life. We're going to start by looking at Acts chapter 1. Now, I have got Honestly, I have set myself an impossible task today. I have crammed way, way too many passages of Scripture into this. So we're going to go fast through the passages of Scripture. I'm not going to take time to slowly exegete the meaning of each Greek word, okay? We're just going to read it and see what it has to say and say a couple of words and then move on. Because I want to share with you, after we've looked at the Scripture, my own personal testimony of how I experienced the baptism, the power, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and how that took my Christian life to a whole new place. Let's start looking at Acts chapter 1 from verse 3 to verse 8. It says, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, and it says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. So there's a whole 40-day period between the resurrection of Jesus and him going back to heaven again from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So when the apostles saw the resurrected Jesus, it wasn't like a dream or a little ghost flying by. He proved to them in many ways. We know that he actually sat and he ate food with them and things like that, and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, the reason I've, uh, I've got that underlined is because that's going to be one of our topics in this series, Simply Kingdom because the kingdom of God was all Jesus ever talked about. Even after he died and rose from the dead, it was still what he was talking about. Yet you ask many Christians, what's the kingdom of God? Is it heaven? Or, or, they're, not, they're not sure. And so we're going to look at that one week. Anyway, let's read on. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them and said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John, John the Baptist, baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember the word baptism? 
is a Greek word which means to immerse or to dunk. He's saying John dunked people underwater, immersed people in water so that, you know, he didn't just do a little dab on them. They were immersed, so they were dripping with it. And in a few days, you're going to be so overwhelmed by the presence of God's Holy Spirit, you're going to be dripping with it. You're going to be overflowing with it. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this baptism in the Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. I want, you, I want to just remind you that when Jesus rose from the dead and he met his disciples, he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. You know, when we come to faith in Christ, the Spirit comes within us. But Jesus is saying, even though the Spirit has come within you, even though you now belong to Christ, even though you, God has sealed you with the seal of the Holy Spirit, don't go out there and try to spread the gospel without a, an empowerment from the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? What is this Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about? Let's just have a look here. We're going to just have a look at some of the things, the Holy, explaining the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible says that God is holy. The angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. But if you think of it this way, remember God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Think of, of you know, the, if you can imagine the center of all creation, at the center of all creation, there is the Father heart of God. God the Father, but God revealed himself to us in his son Jesus, came down and took on human flesh and revealed God to us in human form. So we've got the son, but God isn't just where Jesus is walking about and neither is God just like on the throne of heaven, but God's presence is everywhere. He is omnipresent. God's presence is everywhere. And the Holy Spirit is the tangible presence of God, the presence of God which is everywhere. But you know those times when you're praying or worshiping or some, you know, something happens and you suddenly become aware of the presence of God? That's the Holy Spirit that you're feeling Feeling's not the right word, sensing. You're becoming aware of. You're becoming attuned to. The Holy Spirit is God and is the tangible presence of God. When you become a Christian, when you come to faith in Christ, we saw this last week, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you when you're born again. But that's not all. The Bible then encourages us, we just read it in Acts 1, to go on and to receive power to be clothed with power from on high, to be baptized or filled to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. And even that's not enough. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, continue, in fact, it's really hard to translate in English, it, it, it would be something like, go on continually making sure that you're always being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not, you don't want to just get filled with the Holy Spirit once, you want to live a life in the fullness of the Spirit. 
You know, the Holy Spirit in the Bible is sometimes symbolized by a flame of fire, but sometimes symbolized as a dove. And the Holy Spirit is the dove that has two wings. And not only does, does this Holy Spirit is the dove with two wings, but each wing has nine feathers, if I can use this symbolism. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit produces two things in our life. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit, and there's nine of those. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The nine fruit of the Spirit, and that produces Christ-like character in our life. And then the other wing of this dove is that the Holy Spirit also produces the nine gifts of the Spirit in our life, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, gifts of healing, miracles and faith, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. If you want to just take a photo or something, you can check out these passages of Scripture early, later on. But you see that the Holy Spirit has a double work in our life. It's a dove with two wings, beautifully balanced with the nine fruit of the Spirit and the nine gifts of the Spirit. And we're supposed to have both. The Apostle Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm just making a noise. If I have the gift of prophecy or faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, it counts for nothing. God wants us to have Christ-like character, and He also wants us to have spiritual power, and both of these things are really important. So, Jesus said to His disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the power from the Holy Spirit, because John baptized in water but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let's read on and see what happened. Acts chapter 2. We're going to have a read and see what they experienced. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There was no social distancing at work in this situation. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. I don't know if this was a physical thing or if it was a visionary experience that we're having, but it was something powerful. And then it says, and everyone, can you shout out the word everyone? Shout it again. Okay, I just wanted you to see this. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. Let's read on. The passage then goes on and it says, The onlookers were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in their native languages. This is a long passage, and I, I, I'm not able to show every verse, but I just want to make one thing clear. I've heard, met some Christians over the years who said, oh, God gave the gift of tongues so they could preach the gospel in lots of different languages, and that's what happened in the day of Pentecost. 
But that's not what happened in the day of Pentecost. It actually doesn't take all that much reading comprehension to see that that is not what happened. Speaking in tongues is not for preaching the gospel in foreign languages. As we will see in a moment, it is a form of prayer for speaking to God and not to men, it says. And on the day of Pentecost, it says they were, when they were speaking in tongues, it says they were praising God. The onlookers heard them talking to God, praising God in their own languages. And the guy from Arabia said, he's, he's praising God in Arabic. And the guy from Ethiopia said, he's praising God in Ethiopian or Amoric or whatever the language is. And then the guy from Ireland, if there was one there, says, he's, speak, he's praising God in Gaelic. They heard them praising God and asked what it was. Then Peter got up and preached the gospel to all of them. And probably in Aramaic, because they all knew that language, preached the gospel to all of them. So tongues was for worshiping and praying and lifting up God. And then but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, oh, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, which is much too early for that. Peter had never been to Scotland, I can assure you of that. Anyway, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Let's see what Joel said. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Now listen to Peter's answer. He says this, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, this promise is to you and to your children and to those who are afar off, to everyone that the Lord will call. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing that last sentence is this. You see, when I became a Christian, um, it, this teaching was just part of all the basic teachings we were taught as young Christians. We were taught what Jesus did on the cross. We were taught to read our Bibles. We were taught to pray. We were taught to go to church. We were taught all of these things, and we were taught that we needed the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that didn't matter whether you were a Baptist, a Pentecostal, a Presbyterian, a house church, uh, an independent church member. None of that mattered. We all agreed on that. In fact, it was in a Baptist church on, under the hands of a Baptist pastor that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But then about 11 years ago or so, I moved here to Canada. And I found that a little bit in Canada, and even more in, in the United States, there's a big controversy about this subject. And if you say to people, you know, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Eh, eh, no, I'm a Baptist. That's for Pentecostals. Is it? 
The promise is to the Pentecostals, but not to the Baptists or the Presbyterians. Is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus say, it's just people in an independent, charismatic church that need the Holy Spirit? Was that what Jesus said? We all need the power. Listen, if you want to try and live the Christian life in your own human strength, good luck to you. But I'm going to take all the help that God gives me. And if God says I can receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and the promise wasn't just to Christians in the first century, the promise wasn't just to Christians in a particular denomination, and he didn't say, and once you've received this, you'll become a total wingnut and have to leave your church and go and join that cult down the road. That's what some people seem to think too. He never said any of that. Be a Christian, love Jesus, attend church, read the Bible, but receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, because brother and sister, I'm telling you, we need it. You know, I saw this meme going about, you know, some people wonder if you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, it said, you know. I mean, we need the power of God at work in our lives. Okay, it's for everybody. Okay, let's read on. Let's go to the next one. That's Acts chapter 2. The next time we see this is Acts chapter 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message through the preaching of Philip, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the whole… Oh, wait a minute. You can be a believer. You can be part of the church. You can be baptized but you still need to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon, they had been born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. He's saying they'd only been baptized in water, not yet baptized in the Spirit. Then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't tell us in this passage what happened when they received the Holy Spirit. In the last passage, it says they spoke in tongues. This one, it doesn't tell us what happened. We don't know what happened. But we know that something happened. We don't have time to read it, but if you'd read, read the whole chapter, there was a guy that lived there called Simon, and he was a kind of guru-type person. And he was selling his, mag his magic tricks and things like that to the people and claiming to be a prophet. But he lost all his customers because they'd all become Christians. And they were now uh, following after the preaching of the gospel. So Simon goes and hangs about there to see what's going on. And the Bible says, when Simon saw, Simon said and Simon saw, when Simon saw how the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he said to them, here's some money, give me that ability. And they, they said to him, you'd get lost. This is not about money. This is about Jesus Christ. So he obviously saw something that was spectacular to him. Anyway, let's read on at the next passage. Uh, let's go to Acts 10. This is the first time the gospel came to Europe, came to Gentiles. As Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. How did they know that? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. 
And that, they thought, oh my goodness, they're speaking in tongues. God must have filled them with the Holy Spirit. If God's filled them with the Holy Spirit, God must have saved them. If God's accepted them, we should accept them too. Let's start, we thought Jesus was the Jewish Messiah alone, but, but God is bringing in non-Jewish people. And, be, you know, some, mm, yes, I, I, I like prayer and I like faith and I'm okay with healing, but I don't like all that speaking in tongue stuff. You should thank God for all that speaking in tongue stuff. That's why you became a Christian. The reason the gospel came to non-Jewish people was because of that sign. And they thought, wow. God's done it for them, the same as he's done it for us. Next passage. Next one, Acts 19. Paul traveled to Ephesus where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. We're Lutherans. As soon as they heard Paul speak, they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They spoke to God, and God spoke back to them in a miraculous way as they received this. Now, you will notice that prophecy is mentioned here, and you will notice that praying in tongues has been mentioned two or three times. And so, because these are two of the gifts that come to us when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody doesn't get the same gifts, but some people are gifted in healing prayer. Other people are gifted with faith, mountain-moving faith. The Bible tells us all this in 1 Corinthians 12. But praying in tongues and speaking prophecies, let's read on. We're going to look on at this other passage in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, if you speak in tongues, you are speaking to God, since people won't be able to understand you because you're not preaching the gospel in foreign languages. You might be speaking in foreign languages. You might be. Paul said, when we pray in tongues, we could be praying in the languages of men or of angels. I know in my life on three different occasions where I've been someplace and we've been praying and I've been praying in tongues and somebody has come over to me, and one time it was a complete stranger I'd never met before, and said to me, you were praying in such and such a language. I know I've prayed in three different languages because they've told me it and they told me what I said and I was amazed. They understood every word. But anyway, it was unknown to me. People won't be able to understand you you're pray, praying about mysterious and unknown things. When I pray in tongues, I can pray about things that my mind doesn't even know about. Oh, oh there's a t I've just received a phone call and there's been a traffic accident and somebody's in it. And I, I don't know how serious it is. And I start praying, Lord, I pray that you would heal them. I pray that you would guide the paramedics. I pray that you would make sure the right doctors and nurses are there. I don't know how bad it is. I don't know what to say. I'm just going to start praying in tongues and I can start praying about things my mind doesn't even know about, unknown and mysterious things. And then it says, a person who speaks in tongues is spiritually strengthened personally. 
I can feel myself being charged up. Sometimes I feel like a, a rechargeable battery that's gone flat, and it's got no power in it, and I need to plug that battery into the mains and charge it up. Sometimes I feel spiritually dry, and I don't sense the presence of God, but as I begin to pray in the words that He gives me, in whatever language comes, and I pray in tongues, I spiritually strengthen myself, like charging a battery up again with the power of the Holy Spirit. But the one who speaks a word of prophecy is strengthening and charging up and exciting and inspiring the whole church. Let's read on. And then he says this, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. That's the only two gifts that he says that about. You know, the other gifts, he says, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, some people will get this gift, and some people will get that gift, and some will get another gift. But you know what he says? I, I wish you could all pray in tongues, and I wish you could all prophesy. I wish you could all participate in this miraculous way where we can talk to God, and we can hear Him talking back to us again. Um, Anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray also for the ability to interpret or understand what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but my mind doesn't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, or sing in tongues, and I will also sing in words I understand, or in English. And then Paul concludes by saying, I truly thank God that I speak in tongues. Look, I don't know what denominational background you come from. You know, our church here at Gateway, we have people from every church background and no church background. Some, we have people who found Christ at other churches and then found their way here. And we have people who with no church background who came to faith in Christ here. And those of you watching, I don't know what your church background or theological background is, but can I encourage you? You're not a Lutheran, a Baptist, an Alliance person, a Pentecostal, or anything else. You're a Christian. You are a child of God. We are all brothers and sisters, and we're not supposed to go with a denominational statement of faith. We're supposed to go by what the Word of God says, and the Word of God couldn't be any clearer. Don't go and try and serve me, Jesus said, until you have received the power of the Spirit, and when the power of the Spirit comes, it will release gifts in your life. Gifts like praying in tongues and prophecy, gifts like wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing. My goodness, we need Christ-like character, love and joy and peace, but we also need power. We don't want to live powerless Christian lives. Let me just share with you what happened to me. So, when I was younger, I was about 18 years old when I became a Christian, and I had quite a dramatic conversion experience. And uh, so I, I, I didn't like become a lukewarm Christian or I'm just checking it out. I went from being a non-Christian to being like, I am totally sold out for Jesus Christ. And so months and months went by, about six, seven months went by in my Christian life, and I wanted to be baptized. And so I attended a Baptist church, uh, so, so they had a baptismal tank and everything else, and one Sunday morning, went there, it was a baptism service, and I was baptized in the baptism tank and came out, dripping wet with water, went and got changed, all of that kind of stuff, and went home afterwards. 
And when I went home, I actually felt a little bit depressed because I thought when I got baptized in water, it might feel amazing, but it just felt cold and wet, you know? And I thought, oh, I thought like maybe I might come out of my body and float up to the ceiling or something like that. You know what I mean? I thought something wonderful would happen and not much happened. And so I prayed about it that afternoon. I was praying and I said, God, what's this all about? You know, I should be more excited about being baptized. And I feel like there's still something missing from my life. And as clear as anything, the thought came to me, and it was this, you've been baptized in water, but I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, I had heard the phrase before, I had heard people speaking about it before, I had read it in the Bible before, and I knew I didn't have it. And in those days, we also had, a, we had you know, those were the days you had a Sunday morning service and a Sunday evening service. So I went to the 6 p.m. service, and before the service, I mentioned this to the pastor. And he said to me, well, after the service, I'll pray for you tonight. So we, we did the usual Baptist six o'clock service and so on. Then afterwards, I went and met alone with the pastor and spoke to him. And he said, okay, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you want the Holy Spirit's power in your life? Yeah. Well, just you sit in this chair. So he sat in this chair and he asked me to pray first. And I prayed and, and I asked God to cleanse all my sins and put everything wrong in my life right and all of that kind of stuff. And Lord, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I need your power in my life and I want your gifts to be at work in my life. Then after I prayed, he laid hands on my head, stood behind me and laid hands on my head and he prayed that Jesus would baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And then he began to pray in tongues and I just sat there. And I was waiting for something dramatic to happen I thought, what happens? Does the Holy Spirit like possess you and start moving your body involuntarily or something like that? You know? And I'm sitting there and nothing's happening. Nothing is apparently happening, except I am aware that I am filled with a sense of deep, deep peace. That was it. I just felt a sense of deep peace, and I felt like God's peace and God's presence was all around me and was within me. And at the end of it, the pastor said, well, there we go, you know, you can go home now kind of thing. And I said, well, what about the fact that nothing happened? I didn't prophesy or speak in tongues or fall out on the floor or whatever, <laughs> you know, the things that you think might happen. He said, oh, you don't worry about that. You prayed, you asked God, he's a prayer answering God, something has obviously happened to you, and anything else that needs to happen will happen at the right time. And I said, okay, that's fine. I went home. I was 18 years old, stayed with my parents, went to my bedroom, closed the door, and it was late at night by this time, and I was going to go to sleep, and I thought I would just pray first. Because I lived with my parents, I didn't pray out loud. I was embarrassed that somebody might hear me if they walked past my bedroom door or something like that. So I used to just pray quietly to myself, and I never lifted my hands up, but for some reason, when I went home that night, I sat in my bed, and I went to pray a prayer. I even knew what I was going to say. For some reason, I put my hands up and went, oh my goodness, what happened? I think I just spoke in tongues. And I got so excited about it, I couldn't do it again for two weeks. I, just, I couldn't, what, how did I get into that? I don't know how to get back into it again. So about two weeks later, my pastor had taken me to this big event, a, a joint church event, and there was a guest speaker there 
And at the end, they said, if anyone wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come down. Well, I knew I had received, but I had got stuck. So I came down. And unfortunately, the BBC, British Broadcasting Corporation, were there filming what is going on in the Christian church in Scotland. So they were all there with their cameras. And so I'm down the front being prayed for. I mean, this is on YouTube. You can find it. I'm 18 years old, isn't it? And, uh, and this guy lays hands on me, and I open my eyes, and there's a big TV camera in front of me, and I think, oh my goodness, I can't do anything but this one. Why is it looking at me? And I realize that everybody else that's come forward is all bang out on the floor. I'm the last man standing. And so, okay, and, and the guy says to me, just ignore the camera, close your eyes, I'm praying for you. And he prayed for me, and it bubbled up, and it bubbled out, and I prayed and prayed in languages I didn't understand. And from that day on, that became part of my devotional life. I would pray, I would read Scripture, and whenever I was driving to work, I would just pray in tongues all the way to, to work. It was really funny in a summer's day when your window's down, and you stop at a red light, and there's a guy next to you, and you're just going full belter, you know? and he's like, what, what is happening here? And, uh, and I found that the more I did that, the more I became aware of God's presence. The more things like healings began to happen. The more I began to have dreams in which God would speak to me. Your young men shall dream dreams. Your old men shall see visions. Male and female, young and old, rich and poor, they'll all be filled with the Spirit, and they'll all prophesy. Let's just look at what the power of the Holy Spirit gives us as we, we we're going to come to a time of prayer. The baptism in the Spirit brings these things into our life. It brings power to be a witness. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Even though I was a Christian, even though I had been radically converted, I was embarrassed if anybody asked me about my faith, and I got all tongue-tied. But after this, man, you couldn't shut me up. Somebody asked me, all the words just came out. And I'm beginning to speak, and I remember speaking to somebody, oh, you're one of these Christians, what happened, blah, blah, and I begin to talk to them, and before I know it, I'm starting to say to them, and your sister, you've got a sister, and she's such and such a, an age, and she's got this wrong with her, and you should bring her to church, and she'd be healed, and the girl's like, how did you know all that? I don't know, it just all came out of my mouth. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will experience freedom in worship. Oh, before I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at a worship service, I would look around and make sure nobody was looking at me, and then I might lift my hands up like this. After I received it, I wanted to jump up and down in the seats. I wanted to worship. I was free. It was like emotional freedom. I don't care. Like half the time here, I've got tears streaming down my face in the worship. I don't care if there's some big hell's angel biker sitting in the row next to me thinking, that guy's crying tears or whatever. I don't care because I've been set free to worship my God. I just have to pull myself together when it's time to come up on the stage and say something, you know? Freedom in worship, boldness in prayer. Oh my goodness, get, get into a prayer meeting with a bunch of people who have never received the fullness of the Spirit and listen to that. Long silences, a little shy prayer. Maybe, Lord, could you, if you would like, if it be your will, might you just come amongst us? 
then get into a prayer meeting with a bunch of people who've received the fullness of the Holy. You can't get a word in. They all talk all over you. Yes, Lord, do this as well. Heal my sister. Save my brother-in-law. We're believing for miracles. Power, boldness in prayer, a hunger for God's Word. I want to understand all of this that's happening to me, and a constant awareness of God's presence. Before I received the fullness of the Spirit, sometimes I would be aware of God's presence, and sometimes I wouldn't. But this brought an abiding awareness of the presence of God all around me and deep within me. Now, maybe you think, well, I don't know about all of this because I've got sins in my life, and maybe I'm not holy enough. Maybe you have to be holy to get the Holy Spirit. No, it's only the Holy Spirit that will make you holy. Or maybe I have to have a lot of faith. Or maybe a lot of knowledge of the Bible. Or maybe God will look at me and say, you don't deserve the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you think any of this, here's what Jesus said. Let's look at this last verse before we pray. Jesus said, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So, I want to encourage you all to stand now. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask. And if you're watching from home, just join in with us. We're going to put a prayer up on the screen, and you can pray this prayer along with us, wherever you are. And ask God to fill you, fill you to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, because of the current situation and pandemic regulations and all of that, we can't do this the way we normally would. We would normally call people forward. We would normally do the laying on of hands and pray very close to you. And we're not going to be able to do that. So what we're going to do is we're all going to say this prayer together. And when we get to the end of the prayer, when we say amen, the worship team are going to then lead out a closing worship song. But you don't need to join. You can join in the worship song if you want, but you don't need to. At that moment, while they're singing, you've asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You can take a few minutes there, just you and God alone. If, if something comes for you to pray, to pray in English or to pray in tongues, just do it, just quietly. No one else will hear you. The music will be playing. And you can pray in the Spirit as you ask God to fill you. Or if you sense that the Lord is talking to you or working in your life, just stand still and receive it. So come on, let's put out our hands as if we're receiving a gift. And let's say this prayer together. Are we ready, church? Okay, let's pray together. Let's go. Heavenly Father, I come to you today to ask for your power. May I be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. May the gifts of the Spirit manifest in my life in signs and wonders. May the fruit of the Spirit develop in my life in Christ-like character. I ask to be baptized with your Holy Spirit with the ability to pray in tongues. Your word says that I can have it, and I believe what you have said. I believe you have heard my prayer. I receive this gift by faith in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Father. Amen, amen, amen.